listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. You're listening to Windy City Slam. My name's Chris Lanuti. Mike Pankow's on the line. We're live right now, taking your calls. All you got to do is hit that button at the top of the app. Also, get in the interactive chat room. We're talking local Chicagoland wrestling. Some promotions about to get going. And also, Backlash was last night. And we have a local star that's on AEW Dark yet again. There's so much to talk about. Join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring it all to you on Windy City Slam. Found everywhere podcasts can be found. And always at WindyCitySlam.com. Let's go. Mike, how are you? Chris, I'm doing good. Ready to talk some wrestling. Yeah, I'm ready to talk some wrestling, too. I had some fun last night. I sat around. I bored my wife. She ran away. She went to bed early because I was watching some backlash, and I definitely wanted to get the next chapter of The Undertaker thing, which is riveting to me. I want to talk about that Mm -hmm. today because that's great. Not only is that great TV, but it really peels away the onion that is that guy. And, and also give you a little bit of insight, even in some things that are going on currently in WWE. So we're going to get to all that during the show today. Uh, but before we get to the WWE stuff, because there's so much of it, I want to start local because that's what Windy City Slam is. And uh, I don't want to I don't want to leave it out. So you tell me what's going on. First of all, starting off with I think Power Entertainment is doing something. Yes, Power Entertainment is back in action this Saturday afternoon. Uh, 4 p.m., the Alibi Pub in Wonder Lake. That's way up north and northwest, north of Crystal Lake, northwest of McHenry. It will be doing an outdoor show, so that's going to be kind of a little bit more of an open space. Social distancing will be enforced. You know, people are going to be spread out more. You're damn right social distancing will be enforced. If social distancing isn't enforced, <laughs> I'm coming down here there with a with a two-by-four a la Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and I'm going to, oh, and just... Hit somebody in the head with it. Social distancing <laughs> will be enforced. Indeed, enforced. That's they definitely stress that on their social media. Social distancing, social media. Yeah, you know. Damn well, anyway, better be. The show itself uh, will feature a lot of the, some of the champions that you know we left off with before the pandemic began. How champion Tyler Sullivan, how tag team champions Joey CC and Joey Ariola. Powell Midwest champion, and you gotta love this name, Meat Hooks O'Bannon. Nice, I like that. Meat Hooks. I want a Meat Hooks t shirt right now. (laughs) And then we also have veteran Ice Pick Vic Capri and Scott Spade and a few other people as well. I mean, they always do some pretty good stuff. Uh, Always great feedback from their shows. Jimmy Blaze does a great job. And um, so, outdoor show, 4 p.m., Alibi Pub Wonder Lake. It should be a good time. And also, speaking of local, we want to go back to AEW Dark, and he's started becoming starting to become a regular. Robert Ego Anthony, and he's going with that instead of the what is what was the other name he did the Egotastical Fantastico? What what was he because he had he has two characters that he does yeah, right? Ego, Egotistical Fantastico, yeah. right? That's his babyface character on the local scene. Robert Anthony is more of his heel character in the area, and he, he goes by Ego. That's his nickname. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it plays off the egotistical uh, babyface character. But he's a heel around here. Usually has Frank the Clown with him for those matches. 
but Frank is nowhere to be found on AEW. So it's just Robert Anthony. He he fights whoever they put him in the ring. He gets whether it's babyface or heel, and he adjusts to that style. And his match against AEW champion John Moxley was really, really good last week. It was probably like 10, 12 minutes of pretty good action. The announcer was were kind of like, oh, maybe Moxley is not um, up to snuff and all that. I don't think they were giving Anthony enough credit, which was a little disappointing because this is a 15 to 20-year veteran in the business, and he's been in WWE developmental. He's had other shots in other places. So, yeah, I, I, I really like how he's getting a really good shot with this company. And this week's AEW Dark, Tuesday night on YouTube. And if you listen to the show after Tuesday, you could check out the YouTube channel, uh, YouTube page for the All Elite Wrestling channel. AEW Dark this week has Scorpio Sky of SCU taking on Robert Anthony. So that should also be a really, really good match, too. Talk about another veteran guy who's been in the business 15 to 20 years. And just now, over the last maybe three, four, five years, he's starting to become a bigger name. So yeah, I think it's kind of a cool story where they're kind of be going head to head, which I think will be very, a very, very fun match. Well, it's a good sign because it shows that he's actually like he's he's taking he's taking root there. I don't know how else to mm-hmm. say that. Like, I mean, if you're if you're showing up over and over again, uh, you're taking root, and and that's a good thing. That that yeah. means that they like him over there, and 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 we like to root for the the, the local guys getting a chance at the bigger promotions. Not to say mm-hmm. anything bad about the the small promotions; they're great. Okay, they're 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 excellent. In fact, I I just hit me and I wanted to tell you about it. Your girl, Tessa Blanchard. Uh huh. I watched her the other night when I finally got around to watching because it was free and I was flipping around trying to find something to watch. I watched Fighting with My Family, the page story. Oh, there you go. And Tessa Tessa plays her in the ring at the end, which I didn't know yeah, until I looked it up on IMDb. Yeah. yeah. So she was basically yeah. the one that plays her in the ring so that she can do all the moves. And, and I was like, and I, as soon as I read that, I'm like, Oh, I got to remember to tell Mike that I saw his girl is in this movie. And I'm sure yeah. you were, you were, you were totally aware of that. Yes. And in fact, I talked briefly to Tessa about that. One of the times I met her at warrior wrestling too. She did a good job in that role. It was actually her and Zelina Vega. Yeah. Who I saw was, that. Uh, doing AJ Lee's role. So yeah, that was a pretty cool little match in within itself. Tessa and Zelina in the ring. It was kind of it was kind of a shame that they I don't know that they 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 changed what happened in the match. You know the whole speech yeah, was, that, that didn't happen. And they, yeah. they, you know that you could have had her make that speech in the back or like you know say it like in a moment to somebody else back there. And mm-hmm. I think it would have carried more weight because it would have felt real to me. But instead, mm-hmm. it became very Hollywood to me in the last five minutes of that movie. And I was like, well, you had me. You were pu- you were tugging at my heartstrings. And then you went with the, the the weird ending that I knew wasn't true, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that kind of I didn't like that. So but I, I digress. I got off. I got off topic. I apologize okay. for that. Um, and the, another thing that I've been watching, though, since we, we talked about uh, Robert Ego Anthony, we talked about what's going on with Power Entertainment. Can we get to the thing that I've been watching every time it hits the WWE Network and it followed backlash last night? And that's yes. this Undertaker thing, because absolutely that, really, really good doc. Yes. That is so good. I'm really enjoying that. I, I, I. Here's the first thing. My first impressions of it, or my impression of it throughout the entire documentary, this this last ride, is that he he just doesn't want to leave until he has this perfect ending, mm-hmm. and he he thought he was going to get the perfect ending a few years ago when they started filming him. And yep. he hasn't been able to get the perfect ending, so he just keeps killing himself out there. Yep. And it's it's a shame. I mean, here's the thing. Like, 
he doesn't, he's never going to get the send off that he wants because he's already told everybody about four or five, half dozen times. This is my last match backstage. They've all hugged him and said, congratulations. We'll never see you again. And then he's back in three months. Like Mm -hmm. it's getting to be, he's becoming a parody of himself. Even though he keeps saying, I don't want to be that. He's literally that guy. He's literally that parody. And I, Mm -hmm. I mean, you almost hope that he watches his own documentary and goes, oh yeah, I really did turn into that. You know, I don't disagree with, with some of what you're saying there. I mean, the Cena, him and the Cena match a couple years ago, which I thought came off really flat. I don't think it was a very good match at all. It was disappointing to me, to say the least. Obviously, they showed him and Goldberg, which we talked about on the broadcast basement last year. That, you know, was kind of a mess, too, with the concussion. Oh, gosh, and, I thought he was going to have his neck. I already knew that he survived it. And still, when I saw it again, I was like, oh, did he break his neck? Like, it's just horrible. It was supposed to be a jackhammer, but it looked like John Moxley's paradigm shift. That's yeah. how it came out. Well, it looked like it looked like a very concussed guy with a head injury. The WWE should have stopped the match before somebody got hurt. But again, yeah. that goes back. That goes back to the whole Vince thing. And as much as he sits around and talks about how Vince loves him, and Vince does clearly love him, Vince still is the one that talks him back into coming back. Okay, yeah. for all of Vince's posturing of "Oh no, no, we want we don't want him to go too far," and I love him and everything else like that, he sucks mm-hmm. him back in every single time. And this guy, Absolutely. for being the Undertaker, for being that imposing, scary figure, he reminds me of a friend of mine. I got a friend of mine, a really good buddy of mine, big, tall, imposing figure. Okay, it can be called upon to do anything. Will help out any friend. But the thing is, he doesn't know how to say no. He doesn't. Yeah. And, and 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 if if you wanted to take advantage of him, you could. And I've seen other people do it, and like. As much as you try to explain to him, like, hey, man, that guy's taking advantage. No, no, no. He's a good guy. And that's that's the impression I get from Mark Calloway, that he's he yeah. just doesn't get there's all these other people around him that as much as they give him a hug, as much as they tell him they love him, as much as they try to tell him that everything's going to be fine and, and, you know, you're a warrior, but, you know, it's okay and blah, blah. They all take advantage of him, and he keeps going back because he's got this weird sense of, like, uh, uh, I don't know what it is. It, uh like like the gunslinger or or he wants he feels like that's what it's like to be a man you know for the same yeah. reason that other wrestlers are like oh yeah he gave me a shot at jack daniels and then he knew i was a man he's got like that that weird sense of machismo that well he can't get out of the way of and so there are times where i find it very enjoyable and there are times i sit there and feel bad for him watching it like doesn't he see what's going on here like i really hope he's watching his own documentary right now going oh man everybody takes advantage of me I mean, even his wife at times, even his wife, for all of her, <laughs> even his wife, for all the stuff where she sits there and she goes that she doesn't want him to do it, man, you can see the little gleam in her eye when she gets backstage and she gets to dress up all pretty and be a star mm-hmm. again. And you could see her give him that little push, just that little one. And she might tell the cameras, oh, I don't want him to do it anymore. But you see her doing the exact same thing that everybody mm-hmm. else does. I mean, I, you would hope that it's a shame, but he, I would feel a gut punch watching that seeing how people were talking about me and then seeing what they actually said afterwards. Cause the documentary really exposes the people around him, take advantage of him. They just use him up. I think he's loyal to a fault. And he even said numerous times on that on documentary that he would take a bullet for Vince. And that's kind of what he's doing here. I mean, he can have a happy retirement, kick back, relax with his young daughter that he's had with Michelle and his other children that he's had in the past. But there's just something like with many wrestlers that kind of just keeps drawing him back. And obviously Vince probably dangles some cash toward his way too. But But does it look like he needs it? I mean, does it it look like he needs the cash at this point? (laughs) He's got a beautiful house in, I believe, Austin, Texas. He's living very well. I mean, he doesn't have to kill himself for us anymore. 
30 years, long enough, you had a great career. If you don't want to do it anymore, don't feel compelled to come back. But I thought, the uh, which you're probably going to address a little bit next week, the match with AJ Styles at Mania, that little exhibition that they had, I thought was really, really good. Other than, okay, they're humanizing him, but yet he showed up, like, he disappeared from the hole and all of a sudden was behind AJ. I guess the one thing I didn't like about that. But, yeah, I think maybe that was his happier ending, and maybe we'll see a bombshell at the end of next week's episode saying, okay, this is it. Now I feel good. Maybe they're saving it for the bomb. I don't know. Well, I feel like I feel like they they first of all, before I get to this point, because I'll forget about it. Dave Batista, one guy that comes across great. Dave Batista is mm-hmm. the one guy that comes across great because Dave Batista says it and then he still says it to him to his face. He still tells yeah. him like, man, maybe it's time to be done. Like Dave Batista looks like the one guy that actually like cares about this guy compared mm-hmm. to everybody else who's all got this little thing where they, like you're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you should do I mean, everybody else, you hear him encouraging him to his face and saying behind his back, oh, he shouldn't be doing this anymore. Dave Batista says it to his face. And I, I mean, like my respect level for Batista went through the roof watching this because at least he means what he says. But uh, besides that, they built up from the first one how much he likes AJ Styles. Like he mm-hmm. even says it uh, when he's at the end of the of the match years ago. When he goes, you know, the one guy I would have liked to wrestle is AJ Styles. It was like three years ago when he says that. Yeah. And you could see that that's something he wanted to do. And now you see AJ showing up more and more, especially in this last episode. You saw AJ's Mm -hmm. wife. You see more of a personal relationship. You know that the last thing he did was the WrestleMania match. You you feel bad because that probably would have been the ending of his career right there. And then COVID hits and takes away his his ending. You know? Yeah. And 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 it and that storyline now would make sense because it would have gone right in line with this documentary, it had been perfect. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and you could tell that it just ruined everything. But AJ Styles is got the full respect of The Undertaker. And that said, it seems as though that means that WWE, the upper management, will have the same thing. Because Vince seems to take what Undertaker says about a performer to heart. And Triple H seems to take what Undertaker says about a performer to heart. And in this last episode, you hear them say such great things about AJ Styles and you start to feel like this guy, AJ Styles, is, is the company loves him right now. And, mm-hmm. and it might be because of Taker and how much he cared about him over the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree with the AJ stuff. I mean, he just became Intercontinental Champion. He defeated Daniel Bryan in a tournament final on SmackDown this past week. A little bit of an aside to the story, kind of transitioning into AJ a little bit. AJ looked great in that match. Daniel Bryan looked great in that match. They did, it was like four segments with three commercial breaks. It went on, and it was a pay-per-view quality match, and it's on SmackDown. That was really, really good. He's getting a nice push now when he's back on SmackDown, and we'll maybe get a little bit more into why he's back on SmackDown a little bit later on. But, yeah, AJ's a guy which strikes me as a little bit of a surprise given he was a TNA Impact guy and an ROH guy, and he was even – in WCW and their dying days too. So he's a guy, a totally non WWE guy coming in and being treated to the level, you know, maybe not quite like a John Cena, but just below it. I mean, he's up there in the main event scene. Yeah. Insane amount of respect for him. And why don't we dive into that? I mean, the, there's some backstage stuff that if you take what happened here with the, what we saw last night in the undertaker last ride mm-hmm. and, and some backstage stuff here, explain this to everybody, because this almost, explains a little bit more about what's happening backstage with AJ Styles and possibly Paul Mm -hmm. Heyman and some moves that happened there. So break this down for everybody. So uh, last week, uh, news came down where Paul Heyman was being taken off creative for Raw as the director of Raw. 
and Bruce Pritchard is now going to be sliding over to do both Raw and SmackDown. And uh, Heyman liked to push younger guys, too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Apollo Crews, who recently became U.S. champion. He liked the Street Profits a lot. He liked Aleister Black a lot. Andrade, Angel Garza, guys like that. It'll be interesting to see where those guys go. But then AJ Styles came into the equation because there was another report on the internet saying that AJ actually requested to leave Raw to go to SmackDown because he was somewhat upset with Heyman. Maybe he made Heyman into the fall guy for Gallows and Anderson being fired with the mass layoffs back in April. So I think there was a little bit of acrimony there. And there's also talk about Vince panicking a little bit about the ratings. You know, maybe he wanted to shake things up with Heyman. I don't know. I guess Heyman's going to be still doing, like, in-ring stuff with, like, Brock when he comes back. Or maybe he'll actually have some other faction or something. Or maybe become a manager again on TV for all other guys. But, yeah, it's a little bit of a mess. And then AJ, back on SmackDown, from the sounds of it, because of Heyman, which I found was very, very interesting. Is it possible that that really was the end for The Undertaker? And he's now in an advisory role. He's got this insane amount of respect for, for AJ Styles. And mm-hmm. when Vince is calling him up, asking him stuff, he's like, yeah, I go with Pritchard. I go this because I think I saw mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard multiple times in this documentary. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm starting too. to, I'm starting to feel like that. The, if, if Taker loves you right now, he's got a lot of pull in there and he may be moving into a different role or at least mm-hmm. being a guy who's like, he's, that's how he's transitioning. And yeah. we're starting to see some moves because of that. And that could be another thing. We might see yeah. some, some interesting moves just because of that. Taker and Pritchard are both Texas guys. Um, they've known each other for 30-some-odd years. In fact, he was Undertaker's first on-screen manager very briefly before they brought in Paul Bearer. So there's definitely a connection there. And he also carries such a great respect with Vince and with the entire WWE locker room. So if he says something, I like AJ Styles... I think Vince McMahon is going to listen to that. And that's probably part of the reason why you're seeing another renewed push with AJ Styles. Listen, if, if there's a documentary that's made, trust me, all these people are sitting around every night watching and trying to see what everybody says about everybody else. And if you don't think that it's affecting what's happening backstage or mindsets of people, you're crazy. And what it is, is it's showing the last four or five years of things going on backstage at WWE. So you might see people's opinions change of other people. You might have somebody sit there and say, man, I always thought that guy was kind of a jerk, but now I get where he's coming from. You might have, have, have fences being mended and also fences being broken all because of this very exposed. This thing really exposes a lot of stuff going on back there mm-hmm. unintentionally while it's following the undertaker. And, and yeah, it also shows, it a, and it also shows a lot of influence that he has. And if he's waking up watching it, say, wait a minute, I got all the cards here. He may actually be now at the very end here sitting there calling up Vince and, you know, you should take care of this guy. You should do this, blah, blah, blah. You don't know what the relationship's like there. So this this is going to be very interesting. I feel like the documentary is more than just a documentary. The documentary may be pushing some things going on backstage, mm-hmm. and that would, that would be very, very interesting. I wonder if it would have any influence on – I'm going to tell you something, man. I, backlash last night was good. When you try to build something as the greatest wrestling match ever, I feel like you're yes. putting yourself in a really bad spot. What, what did you think of that match? I mean, that's a very high bar to attain, but uh, I thought Orton and Edge did a hell of a job. I mean, maybe not the greatest wrestling match ever, but very, very good. And um, one minor issue I took with that match in the presentation, we go back to the beginning of our live feed today, where he had, like, the crowd noise. 
they actually had like piped in audio effects of cheers and boos in addition to the cheers and boos of the NXT and PC students that were in the crowd at the Performance Center, which was like, was it really necessary to add that thing? I mean, it reminded me of a, a hokey superstar show back from 1989 where they wanted to have fake boos and fake cheers to, to tell you which guy you should root for or which guy's the heel or whatever. I don't know if it was really necessary. As an aside, though, that was, you know, that was kind of silly. But great match. It was nearly 45 minutes. The time really just flew by. I mean, they, they started with, like, some traditional kind of chain wrestling stuff at the beginning. Then it got a little crazy. There was some brawling. There was a little bit of high flying. Then alternating different guys' finishers in the match. And the end of the match came where Randy did his old classic punt where he runs up and kicks Edge in the head. That led to the three count, and then, which is interesting too because you have not seen that on WWE TV for at least five years or so because they kind of banned it with all the concussion talk and all that stuff. So that's a very, very significant storyline point to this. And then after the match with Orton leaning over, Edge kind of starts whispering to him. He's basically told him, you can go back home now. And he says, go back to Beth, which is who is... His wife. His wife, Beth, Beth L- Phoenix. Lyric. Yeah. Yes. Lyric and Ruby, the two daughters. So he kind of was whispering that to him. I think it not not in a like a good way. I think he was kind of trash talking him still a little bit. And then obviously they did the whole he did the whole sell job afterwards. I don't think this is over yet. I think we're gonna see at least one more match, Randy Orton and Edge. You know, there's usually this event later in the year called Hell in the Cell, so I can totally see them doing Hell in the Cell. I can see them doing that. And, and, you know, the real shame is the fact that I think we have we have such a great storyline between these two guys, and it's kind of wasted a little bit because we can't have the crowd. And yeah, and, and these, these are the sad. things that really hurt when you don't have the crowd. Like, it, it, there are just certain things that you can't fix. Like, they did a very good job with the Bray Wyatt John Cena thing that they did. It was a little weird, but they found a way to put together something that was compelling and interesting at WrestleMania. Uh, they didn't do a bad job with the Undertaker thing with the vignettes with AJ Styles, but now you realize that would have been so much better in front of 80,000 people and what they could have done during it, you know? And yeah. and, and you and, and, and now this storyline itself would have been so interesting with the back and forth with the crowd and chanting and everything else like that. It would have been so much more compelling. And I don't know, man. I just feel like wrestling can't is not going to be the product that it needs to be and pull the eyes and the numbers so they can get people back in the stands. And I just don't know how they're going to do it with the way that the world is right now. And it, it sucks because they've got to find something. They've got to find some way to start getting some people in the stands and, or, or some way to have people interacting with it or otherwise it's just like these people just standing around on the side. It's just not good enough. And the crowd yeah. pumped in thing was weird and you're right yeah. about that. And I just don't know how pro wrestling figures it out. And, and you know, they, they, they at least have the advantage where they're, they're not, they're not going to be under the same scrutiny as the NBA and the NFL. You know, if they could find a way to bring in limited amounts of crowds, I think that they do a lot better and they wouldn't have as much scrutiny as if MLB all of a sudden put a half, half pack stadium in, you know, and spread people out. And the NF, but but I think what's going to happen is you're going to watch the NFL. This is my prediction here. You're going to watch the NFL because they're doing all these things like adjusting their stadiums, 
you're going to watch the NFL open up and have like 40% capacity. And they're going to find a way where they have like plexiglass up in different sections and things like that. And depending on how that goes, you may see Vince copy that or find a way to be able to pull that off. And he might not be traveling as often, but he's going to find a way to at least have a set location where they at least have some crowd where they can have people going nuts and they can have some interaction where with, with the wrestlers. And, and that will be such a big difference once they're able to pull that off. I think wrestling, a lot of the ills will be cured if this world ever gets back to quote normal again, and it can have a, a crowd. I think the first couple of shows and the first big pay-per-view or whatever, after all this kind of subsides, I think these people are going to be nuts. They're going to just want to be there and scream and yell and cheer. Yeah. So I think that's make, that's going to make those first few shows really, really special once you know things kind of get back to normal. Fingers crossed so. it's sooner than later. I think so. What did you think of the opening match? I, I, I the the one with the the three the the, the three the tag teams, tag? the women tags match. I I mean I thought it was actually pretty solid. I thought it was yeah, I thought it was, it was, I thought it was a really I thought it was yeah. a really good match. I enjoyed it. I'm I'm gonna tell you something. Um I'm not a big fan of the iconics. I it, it, it does just they I there's just something about them. They just I don't think their ring work is as good as the other four that were in there. And and, and that's the thing. And I think that and, and and I think Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, and Bailey are heads and tails above any one of the other three women that are in that place. And and it's just such a difference in their skill set and their presentation and the way that they just they command the screen where it it feels like when you ha- when you didn't have one of them in the middle of it doing something or the two of them going one of two of them going against each other like Bailey against Bliss or Sasha against uh, um, uh, Alexa if you didn't have that going on then the match was lagging but overall I thought it was a really good match yeah that was a very strong match and I don't I think Nikki Cross is actually kind of up and coming in that area but yeah for some reason whatever I mean Iconics they have good chemistry together but it just doesn't translate necessarily on TV with their abilities. And I think there's been talk about breaking them up and all that. I mean, they're, they're friends since high school. So they've, they've been together in some former fashion for like 10 years or so, but yeah, I mean, people are up and down on them and uh, I'm not sure what to think myself. Cause at times I kind of like the get and sometimes it kind of grates on you. They grate on me a little bit. I, I mean, I look, I, we're all critics and we all have people that we like and we don't like. I'm not, I'm not really excited when I hear their music. I'm not, I'm like, ah, these two, like, you know, it's like, it's just like, I, they get that reaction. I mean, like, ah, these two, you know, I mean, they're just, to me, they're just a recycling of, they, you know what they feel like? And it's not a credit to it, It's, it's actually a detriment to them. They feel like Vince McMahon's late nineties, early two thousands women's wrestlers yeah, kind of. yeah. it, it, because it's more about I'm snooty. And I uh, and I'm showing off my assets and mm-hmm. I don't have the same in ring ability because they I don't feel like they do. They just they, yeah. they're just not the same. And so they're trying to play off on the, uh, you know, I'm above you and I'm beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And it just it doesn't resonate with me anymore mm-hmm. because you could see, look, Alexa Bliss is is gorgeous, but she can wrestle. OK, uh, you know, Trish Stratus could not wrestle at the beginning, but at the end, what makes her great is that she was able to wrestle. At first, she was yeah, just she like a body. Yeah. OK, at first, she was a body. At the end, she was a wrestler. And yeah. and that's the whole thing. To me, I don't think that you, you know, you can only look at a girl walk out in, a, in skimpy clothing so many times. And then you're like, oh, these guys again, you know, and it, it's just that's just the way it is for me. I'm just not I'm not that into it. And we're uh, really, really kind of losing time here. Uh, the clock is ticking. Tick tock. And. 
I think that's a perfect segue into what I want to talk to next. NXT, Karrion Cross, And uh, let me lead into this a little bit. At TakeOver a couple weeks ago, Karrion Cross uh, fought Tommaso Ciampa, who's one of the biggest guys down there in NXT. Uh, I put him up on the pedestal with guys like Adam Cole and Keith Lee as being guys that are just good in the ring and good at what they do. I mean, he's a presence. Karrion Cross came in, had like a 10-minute match with him, totally kicked his ass, made him submit. He was dominant. He was booked to be dominant in that match. I love his act with Scarlet, and this entrance is just amazing. I've been, I was playing the theme music on YouTube the other day. I was really, really getting into it. And this past week on the NXT TV show, Adam Cole is having a non-title match with Dexter Loomis. And after that match ends, who comes out at the very end? The music hits. Scarlet walks out. She has a big hourglass. Puts the hourglass in the ring, turns it over. The sand starts trickling down. <laughs> They're teasing a huge, already a huge match with Karrion Cross, who's been on TV for like five weeks against Adam Cole for the NXT title. They're all put that monster, monster push. I like, I mean, he was Killer Cross, obviously, on the Indies and Impact Wrestling. He, he appeared for Warrior Wrestling last year. He appeared for AAW last year. He's a guy that's got it. He's got the it factor. And with Scarlett as part of his act, his real-life girlfriend, I think it really takes over the top. And I'm just amazed. I mean, they must really, really love this guy to put him in a top-line program against Adam Cole and have him dominate Ciampa the way he did. That's awesome. I think big though. things are coming for Karrion Cross. But I love that stuff. I, I, like when yeah. you, I like when a guy gets a push like that. I like when all of a sudden a new guy shows up and he's just – I mean, gosh, almighty. I mean, remember what they did? Remember when they did the stupid Ryback thing? Like, I, I was like, well, this is just basically Goldberg again. But my kid was, like, totally into it. My my kid was totally into it. He was like, this is awesome. Ryback just comes out and just destroys people. I mean, like, every once in a while, I just kind of think that's kind of fun. And it it adds a little bit of excitement when the guy finally gets to the champ. Like, what's actually going to happen? And and he can lose and still be dominant and ha- and you could turn into a program where they fight each other three four times for the championship or he could win and then all of a sudden he's just like the man so uh, there's a lot of ways you can go with it and I, I find it to be very interesting that's good stuff yeah Ryback was a slower build though this guy is getting it after five or six weeks on tv that is yeah, true after- Ryback was a Ryback was with what uh, wasn't he with the nexus at, at one point and he just got yeah, he had a couple yeah. different phases of his yeah. career and then when he became Ryback and they started doing jobbers on tv every week or i should say enhancement talent yeah, i don't want to get people mad at me enhancement <laughs> what, you can't say jobbers is jobbers something that's like a bad word in wrestling is that what you're telling well, me to some of the wrestlers it is yeah wow. to, for, to, to respect them i will say enhancement talent guys that make other guys look good yeah so basically <laughs> he, he mowed through enhancement for several months and then they kind of had him go after guys like Cena and Punk later wow. on. Wow! But I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to tell you something right now. The fact that the, for the the fact that we had to change a word here to be more politically correct by going from <laughs> jobbers to enhancement <laughs> talent has just I don't know. At this point, I need a drink, and it's only twelve thirty in the afternoon. You're you're killing me, Mike. <laughs> I think we hit everything, right? Uh, most everything. Uh, didn't talk too much about dynamite, but just to throw something out for dynamite, to kind of little. Dangle the carrot a little bit. Yeah. Jake, Jake Hager, Santana, Ortiz of the um, inner circle. They defeated the best friends at Orange Cassidy and Six Man Tag. And after the match, the inner circle ganged up on Cassidy. And Jericho came in the ring, pelted Orange Cassidy, yes, with a giant 
stack of oranges. Yes! I love even, Jericho! He even started bleeding. That's brilliant. And Jericho takes the mic saying, Lord, Orange Cassidy has just been juiced. <laughs> 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 You're screaming because my 